на трибунах холеют знамена, Облака под небесник плывут. Hello and welcome back to this uh, Russian football news podcast. We've got a new edition with some great new topics for you today. And we've also got two new guests. So we've gone out with the old Andrew Flint and Tokathile. They were getting pretty boring. So we've got two new... Um, unfortunately, you still have to cope with my boring voice. But we've got two fantastic new guests. One which, who is slightly familiar with you, and that's uh, David Sanson. Hello, good to be back. Good it has been a long time. Yes, it has, unfortunately. And uh, we've also got Neil Salata, who's not been on the podcast before, but he's written several pieces on the website, which you should really come and check out. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. Okay, so um, just may as well kick off with the first topic, really, and that is uh, Oleg Kononov's resignation from Akhmat Grozny, which uh, apparently came as a bit of surprise to the board. Terek currently lie uh, ninth in the table. So a team trying to push European football they're not doing too well. But, David, to me, uh, this is very surprising that he's resigned. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a surprise, considering how they started the season. They started off they started off the season pretty well. Um, but that, their results have tailed off quite a lot over the last month or so. And, you know, for a team who finished fifth last year, to be sat down in ninth, you know, for some teams, that's OK. But for a team with like Akmat, who are, you know, they, they've got ambitions. They, they spent a lot in the summer. They did... They did what seemed to be a good transfer window. Um, you know, it's 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 not what they need. And obviously, Kononov's got a reputation. You know, he uh, he walked out at, at Krasnodar as well. Um, so so it it was a surprise in some ways. But with the way things are going, you know, they had a four-game losing streak. Then they sort of picked it up a bit. And then they had a three-game losing streak. It's just not really... It's not good enough. And I think it was, you know, a, one, a draw against Angie was the last result. And... That just wasn't good enough, really, for them. I mean, Neil, to me, I mean, David talks about the losing run, and he's right, but we're still only, well, we're, only, we're halfway through the season, so still a lot of time to go, a lot of points to make up. And personally, and like David says, Colonel's got a bit of a reputation for walking out, shall we say, and we know the sort of, perhaps the troubles that happen at Ahmad in the past with uh, Kadyrov and everything. To me, it smells slightly fishy. Something might have gone on between him and the board. Obviously, we don't really have knowledge of that, but to me, it sort of sounds like it. Yeah, no, it's impossible to say, really. Um, I mean, as you say, it, it is Ahma, and they do have a history of dodgy, dodgy dealings. I mean, recently there was a story about um, students turning up to games. If they didn't turn up to games, then they'd be thrown out of university or something like that. And, um, I mean, in this case, with, with Kononov, um, I don't think... He's actually doing that badly. I mean, on paper, as as David said, very nice, but we're only four four points off Spartak, we're ahead of Ruben, ahead of Rostov, and they had a very good start. It's only just um, after these injuries to um, Ivanov and uh, Mohamedy, I think, that they've decided to tail off, really. Yeah, I mean, I was just reading a bit in preparation for this yesterday, and former Soviet Union Russian manager Anatoly uh, Bishovets says Kononov tried to change from that sort of counter-attacking style to a more dominating style. And do you think perhaps that's cost them a bit, David? Or yeah, cost, I cost mean, him really. Well, their formation's been a bit unpredictable. They started off using uh, a five at the back at the very start of the season, and then very quickly changed to a four-two-three-one, which in sort of modern Russian football, is, it's a rarity nowadays. But then once, I think it must have been once Mohamedy and even I've got injured, they did swap back to the five of the back using Bernard Barisha as the left wing back. And that's where the form has tailed off again. So I'm not sure if the, using the five of the back would necessarily mean they're trying to dominate. That would, to me, that would implicate that they, they were trying to counter-attack again. Um either way the formation change obviously hasn't worked for them whenever they've tried to use the five at the back i mean they have got you know they've got a very good defense when they're all fit and they have got some decent midfielders as well but it wasn't working for them you know i, I think of the the grozny stadium they've got this massive pitch um and to use it as a counter-attack is just not sustainable i think the the, the pressure on the attacking players in that pitch is too much and they're just being asked to counter-attack. They need more support in that situation. And I think they should, sticking with the four and back, even with um, Mohamedy injured, obviously not sustainable having one left back in your squad. 
uh, in the first place. But I think they should definitely should have stuck with that, uh, with the four-two-three-one, and you know kept up with their reasonably decent style of play. And what would your take be on the the style of play here, Neil? Um, well, I mean, obviously he's trying. I, th- I think he was trying to trying to change things just by uh, the personnel which he's brought in. I mean, a lot of a lot of Brazilians. Um, obviously, Ahmad had Brazilians before, but um, just just for the style of play um, didn't didn't really work out in the end. I don't think. And it's it's not just style of play. Um, it's Konanov as a person, I think, as well. He's um, maybe just a bit too different for um, Ahmad. I think he's uh, just the wrong sort of personality type to be managing there, maybe. That's maybe a hidden factor um, behind behind the scenes. So let, let's focus on Konanov a bit here, because we've spoken a bit, <clears throat> excuse me, about his reputation of sort of walking out, and now he's got this done here. But at Krasnodar, David, he's, he had a before he went, he had a decent record there. So I'm trying to think now that he's gone from there and he's gone from Akhmat. I've heard tips, oh, he'll be back in the Russian Premier League soon. But what's the future for him now? Because if he's got this reputation of being a decent manager, but one who's perhaps a bit unreliable in terms of staying at the club, it's a bit of a dangerous appointment for some clubs. Yeah, it's an odd one, obviously. I mean, you're right, he was very successful at Krasnodar. You know, he last year he put them through a very good European campaign. You know, took them took them again to the Europa League qualifiers. Um, for whatever reason, we don't know, he he walked out of the club. We're going to assume it's, you know, differences with probably Gilitsky. Um And if it is that, then obviously it's unlikely to see him back at Krasnodar, who are also struggling under Shalimov this season. Although that, to me, if there is no differences, would be the most logical step. Krasnodar need help. Kolonov knows what he's doing at Krasnodar. Um but if, you know, looking at the table, you've got other teams who are struggling. You know, Ruben is struggling. Would they get rid of Berdiev so early? Probably not. Um, and then looking further down, you know, maybe Dina have just changed their manager. Angie have not long changed their manager. I think it would be difficult for him to get another job in the league at the moment. But I can't see any more managers in too much trouble. Maybe Kuchuk at Rostov could be under some pressure after his decent start to the season. But I think he would struggle to get back into the league as it stands. I think you'd have to wait quite some time before another job comes free. I mean, Scar obviously rock bottom. But would he want to take the job at Scar, a team who are pretty much doomed to be relegated? It's, I think he'll, he'll struggle for the time being. I mean, Neil, David mentions that Krasnodar perhaps going back there. Or even Rubin, you've meant... I mean, David, obviously, sort of the Rubin man in Russian football news. Where would you see Konanov going next? Would it be in Russia, or would he perhaps even go some go to another country, somewhere in Europe, where he can sort of test himself again? Um, I mean, he could go to Europe, but I, I mean, I, he, he hasn't got that that much of it. I mean, we, we know how difficult it is for, for managers managing in Russia to then go to Europe. I mean, barely ever happens, really. So I can't see him moving out of Eastern Europe um, anytime soon. And also the fact that he's obviously got this one, well, one playing mentality, which, um, or, or this specific philosophy which he wants to put into teams is going to hold him back from the, the number of jobs which he's going to take. I know I'm, we're saying Russian manager. Of course, he is actually Belarusian. Just, just sort of before somebody shouts at the podcast and corrects us. But um, trying to think, I mean, previous coaching career, David, not really got that much on his CV. And we talked about, oh, we, excuse me, about it'd be great if he could move to Europe. But we saw Slutsky, who's regarded as one of the best mas- managers in Russia, could only get a job at the, in the Championship. So really, Kolonov, as Neil says, doesn't really have that much of an option but to stay at home. Well, in yeah. Russia anyway, or Eastern. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that obviously he's, he's Belarusian and you, you obviously straight away the comparison in my head is to Goncharenko. Um, so he obviously managed in Russia, but I believe then went back to Belarus where he had a very good stint with Barty Borisov. So perhaps it could be something that he goes back to his home country or he tries his hand in somewhere else in Eastern Europe. You know, you've had a prevalent rise of Eastern European teams doing better in Europe this season. You had 
You've got Sheriff Tiraspol from Moldova actually in the group stage. And Azerbaijani side in the Champions League group stage. You had a Lithuanian side getting very close to it. So it could be an option now that European stronger European football is getting stronger in the smaller nations. So maybe he could try his hand in one of the smaller Eastern European countries where football is growing to a stronger level. And just just back on Kononov, actually. Um, I was talking about uh, Anatoly Bishevitz earlier, who said that um, China changed from the counter-attack. He also says that um, Kononov put himself before the club and did the decent thing. Now, Neil, we mentioned earlier about possibly something a bit fishy going on. To me, I'm not sure that Bishevitz has got that right there, personally. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's obviously it's impossible for us to say um, because, as I said, I don't think they're doing that badly, really, and um, it's it's still not that long into the season. I mean, he could have turned it around um, if when when the injuries were done, and yeah, like like David said, they had a very good start to the season. They were um, better. Free win game, uh, free game run of, of wins, I think, and then they uh, only lost narrowly uh, in most of their games, I think. So, so really, they weren't doing that bad, and perhaps it is more just um, the people behind the scenes, so Kadyrov um, pushing themselves, pushing themselves in where they shouldn't really be. Yeah, that doesn't sound like uh, something Kadyrov would do at all, pushing himself where he's not wanted. But um, And now, back to Akhmat themselves. David, where do the club go from here? What sort of appointment do they need to make now? Because we've seen them... Kononov was sort of the stable appointment, but we've also seen them go for that sort of name manager and it hasn't worked. So they've really got to get this next appointment spot on. Yeah, it's, it is a tricky one. Obviously, there are some good Russian managers available at the moment. There always are because... Obviously, you can't have everyone managing at the same time. Um, there were strong rumours they would go back to their old manager, whose name has slipped my mind at the moment. Uh, it was the it was it was Connell's predecessor who was rumoured to be coming straight back in. Obviously, that familiarity works. He's he's also a Chechen, so it would be the logical step to go like to go something like that. Um, at this point, I don't think they're wanting to take any serious risks. They're looking. You know, to improve their season and get back into European contention rather than just sitting in mid-table. Um, so, yeah, one of the experienced Russian hands, or one of the experienced hands in Russian football who is available, certainly the most logical step rather than uh, taking a risk on someone perhaps from, you know, the FNL or from abroad. Yeah, where would you go with this um, appointment here, Neil? Like I said, got to gotta be right here. Would you, I mean, David says they'll probably ignore FNL there. And I tend to agree with him. But my thing is thinking, do they go with an experienced Russian manager or do they try and get the big pull from Europe again? Like like a Hullet or somebody like that. Yeah, uh, I was just reading they've been linked with a Brazilian manager, uh, Milton Mendes, who last managed Vasco da Gama. Um, I don't know much about him, but obviously with the big Brazilian contingent, that, that's also something to, to uh, consider. Um, I don't know. I mean... Um, I can't see them um, improving much under um, Rahimov, who's, who's the former manager of, of um, Ahmad, who, who might be coming back. I think with, with Kononov, they had a higher chance of, um, of uh, doing something better. So maybe aiming for, um, I don't know, uh, where did they finish fifth? Fifth um, was the highest under Rahim of Eisenhower, but um, I think they could have improved on that even if they'd stuck with, with Koronov eventually, potentially. Um, but with, with uh, Rahim of or a manager from the FNL, I just, I just can't, can't see them um, ever improving that drastically. I think it's always going to be a team which, um, which uh, seesaws around the, uh, around the league a bit. And um, if it makes uh, Kadira feel calmer with um, Rahimov back in back in the seat, then that might be for the best. Yeah, I mean, I I'm, apparently Izviestia, the the Russian newspaper sort of online website or whatever, they say 
that they're looking at Bispos Rodolfo, the 35-year-old Brazilian defender. He speaks Russian, apparently, as sort of a filling gap. But for me, David, we talk about uh, Rahimov there, Neil did. That's the, that's the former manager who escaped you. Um, for me, bringing somebody like him back in is a much better step for them, rather than going yeah. on a bit fancy, like we talked about the guy from Vasco as well. Yeah, I mean, Rodolfo, you know, he's, he's had a decent career in Russia, but and he would have a good rapport with the squad, obviously being part of the squad and being the head of, you know, I think there's six Brazilians in the in the team now. Um, but, yeah, definitely a big risk to go for someone unproven. You know, I don't even, he, I don't, I'm assuming he doesn't even have any of his coaching badges at this point. So, yeah, it's, it's a big risk um, to go for that. If you're looking at the FNL, obviously, Alenichev is the one to look at. You know, he's doing, he's doing great stuff with the NSA and he... He had a great stint with Arsenal Tula when he brought him into the Premier League and, you know, he walked out early. So so if they're going to go FNL, then that's the one to go for. Um, but otherwise, they've got to go for one of the safe hands, in my opinion. Or, or just go back to Rakimov, who, you know, had four good years at Akmat. You know, he improved on them every single season, getting them eventually up to fifth place. I don't know whether you meant to segue into the next topic there with Alinichev, but you, you've done my job brilliantly, so you can come back again. Because the next point we we're going to talk about was Arsenal Tula. And they are, in my opinion, having a fantastic season. Up in eighth, so above Ahmad that we've just been talking about. Um, scored 15, set only 17 against. Uh, Mia Dragbazovic, of course, the manager doing a great job. Previous experience in Russia, of course. Neil, are Arsenal Tula the biggest surprise package in the Russian Premier League this season? Because for me, they've had some big victories and gone under the radar slightly. Yeah, they've definitely been a surprise. I didn't expect that much from uh, Midrag Bozovic. Um, I don't think he did particularly well at Rostov or um, Lokomotiv. So I viewed his um, chances at Tula a bit sceptically. Um but yeah, they've been very surprising. Um, they've they've just played very bravely um, against some of the top teams. They've gotten some good results um, against Zenit. They attacked from beyond, um, which was very very dissettling as a Zenit fan. And um, yeah, they've they've just been consistently surprising. And David, would you would you go along with that that they're the biggest surprise package this season? Or would you go, I mean, I mean, if Andrew was here, I'm just filling Andrew's boots here, he'd definitely go with Ural. But I think Arsenal's a bigger story, personally. Uh, I, I'm agreeing with you here. My The Ural story does annoy me a little bit because they've been very, very lucky and not played very well, in my opinion. But back to Arsenal. Um, no, you look at their team and they've got some very good standout players who are having very good seasons. Starting in defence, you've got Sunzu and Belayev who have formed a very good partnership in defence. They've both been excellent throughout the whole season. You've got Ilya Maximov who missed a lot of last year with injury, but he's finally come back and we know how good a player he is from his time at Angie and from his other clubs and he's having a very good season again. Uh, and then obviously, last last season they brought in uh, the Argentine striker Rasic and he was basically one of the main reasons why they didn't get relegated. I think he scored five or six goals in the second half of the season to keep them up. But he's hardly started this season. You've got Djordjevic, who is on loan from Zenit. He's fired in five goals. You've got the uh, the Zambian guys, Kangwa, who scored the winner against Zenit. He's been excellent in the recent games. You know He's got unbelievable pace, and he's putting that to a great effect against the big sides who are just dominating and leaving themselves exposed to be countered. Uh, as, as Neil said, they, they beat Zenit recently. They also beat Krasnodar and Siskar 1-0 in their last four games uh, the other game in that was a 3-2 defeat to Angie which sort of underlines their unpredictability they can go through these amazing spells of playing you know really good football and very just very confident stuff and then you know they lose to Angie you know granted it was away from home but even so to lose to Angie is not good when you've just beaten Siskar Krasnodar and Zenit 1-0 so it's that unpredictability which is sort of causing them to struggle but obviously eighth place is a lot greater than where they were last year when they scraped through the uh, relegation playoffs I think they, they beat Yenisei thanks to a couple of lucky goals uh, from a free kick so yeah big improvement on last year and it's, it's good to see them doing well yeah I want to come back to the sort of the individual players in a bit but Neil just coming to you first we've talked about the victories there against Cisco most recently and then Zenit and then Krasnodar we'll talk about that Angie loss as well of course but looking at those big games what do you think helped them win? Because to win one game, 
some would say lucky, but to win three of those big games, I mean, we know Krasnodar aren't having a great season, but they're still a big club in Russia. What do you think has helped them win, though? What's the main factor? Um, I think the main factor, aside from the good individual players, which they actually have quite a lot of for a team, which which is um, only recently been uh, promoted, um, is the fact that they play so bravely um, and they don't. <laughs> They're not afraid to attack these big teams because you know a lot of teams uh, just in the Russian league just sit back and defend for the whole game, and um, it's it's really refreshing when you have teams uh, who you'd expect to finish in below half the table just going out and attack, um, and it's actually uh, I don't know why it's working, but um, well, I mean obviously with players, but I mean. Um, uh, perhaps there's a little bit of the um, unexpected as well coming in. Um, but these big teams are not expecting to be attacked in that way. Just thinking about the comparison to Alenichev, because we saw that side with Arsenal Tula that got relegated under him, of course. They played some really scintillating football. So would you say that having Bozovic with his experience, I know you weren't too sure about a couple of his stints in Russia, but having that experience there as opposed to Alenichev with much, much less experience. Do you think that there's sort of more pragmatism now than there was before? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, in, in comparison to Alenship, definitely. Um, uh, pragmatism is very important for the league um, as a whole because um, a, lot, a lot of the teams just play differently and, and you know, with... Um, with managing a team like Arsenal Tula, uh, you, you can't necessarily always um, always play one way. Um, but yeah, like, like um, Davis mentioned, they've got some good players and they've got a good good defence, which which allows them to, to play a bit braver at times. Um, and I think maybe the defence actually is, is is something I would single out. Um, as, as being particularly important to, to their success. Yeah, David, b- before Neil mentioned it, actually, I was going to ask you about the defence there, because we've spoken about sort of the attacking play, but that defensive unit has been very consistent, essentially, and that's allowed them to sort of breed the confidence. We haven't seen many changes, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. So that really yeah. allows them to sort of progress up the field. Yeah, certainly. I mean, when you look at our squad as a whole, it's, it's all been very solid, and they've all... Every single player who's played regularly has played very well this season. And I think obviously that's a contributing factor. But you've got old guard of Gabrilov in goal, you know, Russian international, very experienced. He's done relatively well. I think I remember a couple of mistakes he's made, but on the whole, still been a very good goalkeeper this season. As I mentioned before, I jumped the gun. You've got Belayev and, and Sunzu as the two defenders, centre backs, and they've, they've been excellent this season. Whenever Sunzu has been missing, which I think he missed the last game. They were a lot weaker for it. Um, the wing-backs, obviously, you've got Kirill Komborov at right-back, um, very experienced Russian defender. And at left-back, they've been using uh, the Spaniard, Victor Alvarez, um, you know, defender with La Liga experience. And, uh, yeah, he even he's adapted quite well to the Russian league. I think playing for a club like Arsenal is is attractive to even to foreign players because of all the lower sides in the league. They constantly fill out their stadium, and their support in, in, in Tula is is fantastic. Um, so yeah, keeping that solid back four, or even you know with a mix of nationalities, it's certainly been a good building block for the rest of the team to to move forward. And looking at those individual players, Neil, I'm looking specifically at Georgievich. You're the Zenit fan, as am I, secretly. Um, he was a player that I, last year I thought would do really well in the Zenit team. It didn't work out for him. And people sort of questioned this move to Tool. I remember, us, I can't remember the exact words that we were saying at the start of the season, but people were sort of questioning it, whether it was the right move. But as David said, banging in the goals at the moment for Tula and doing fantastically well. So just wondering about, not talk about this season as well, but his, his future as well, perhaps his Zenit or elsewhere. Yeah, I think, I think he could come back to Zenit for sure. Um, at the moment, it's the front line of Zenit is not, really all that clear. You've got Kukorin, 
um, as the supposed main central striker, but he sort of he's been dislodged a bit to the to the flanks occasionally again. And then you've got Juba um, sitting on a bench most of the time. So I think in terms of uh, replacement for Juba, who's probably going to be heading off, I think you know he he definitely wants to score goals. Uh, you, you can see the passion in Georgievich when he plays. And um, he's he's a very good good footballer. I mean, even in the last season, he was scoring goals uh, under Luchescu. Um, he scored quite a few important goals, a few late late goals coming on as a substitute. And um, in particular, uh, his heading is, is is brilliant. So I think he could definitely come back to Zenit. Um, but if not, he, he'd be a great player for most of the Russian teams. Um, yeah, the only thing I'd say with Zenit is the foreigner rule there really sort of puts in a big stumbling block oh, for him, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, but then at the same time, he's been at Zenit for so long. He's um, like outside of the foreigner rule. He's 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 um, he's actually one of the more experienced um, Zenit players. Uh, well, that, that sounds strange because he hasn't actually played that much football for Zenit, but he's been around for a long time. And I think he, he that, that counts for something um, as well in terms of like his passion for, for the club. Yeah, I think he definitely has. Go on, go on, Bill, sorry. No, I, th- I think he definitely wants to play for the club, and I think that counts for something. So. Yeah, the other player I was going to look at a bit, um, David, was someone like Takachov on loan from Cisco Moscow. And along with Georgievich, did this. To bring in these players on loan, do they have that big club mentality which helps Tula? I don't know about big club mentality. Obviously, Tukachov, he's only had this little spell at Suska after he joined from Kuban. He didn't play much, he didn't score much, he didn't really adapt well to his new surroundings. But obviously, we look back to his time at Kuban where he was excellent, let's be honest. Um, he was one of the reasons that they were flying at that point. Once he left, along with a lot of the others, when they were having their financial trouble, they went steeply downhill. Um, to catch off, where did he play? He played somewhere on last season. Was it Arsenal as well? Uh, it's Krillia. Oh, Krillia, yeah. So Krillia, he, he wasn't as effective because they were relying heavily on their counter-attacks. So they were using the pace of Molo and Pascuato and Umbakovu predominantly. And to catch off, you know, he hasn't got a great amount of pace and he's more of a technical player with... As we, as we know, a very powerful shot. Um, so he works a lot better in this Arsenal system where they do like to control the play, they do like to get forward and put the pressure on their opponents rather than just sitting and waiting to counter. I think that's why we've seen him come into his come into his own a little bit more this season. Yeah, the other signing I'd just like to mention from the both of you is, uh, David, you m- mentioned him already, Kirill Kambarov there. Very experienced player for them here, Neil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they've got a good mix of um, experienced Russian players, and I think what's also important to mention is the um, foreign, foreign players come from a lot of fairly uh, well. They come from big leagues um, for a club of Arsenal stature. So uh, Sonsu came from Lille uh, in League One, and um, Alvarez came from uh, Espanyol in La Liga. And uh, Kangwa uh, has also had some fairly big uh, experience with uh, Turkish League. So I think just the level of, of, of players they're able to bring in by making some very good signings in the domestic market and some very good signings uh, abroad uh, with a good mix of uh, experience and, um, and uh, just pedigree, really. Just to round off this topic from, um, from both of you, David, I'll come to you first. A, what are we expecting from Tula this season? Because obviously they're having a great season. Before the winter break, they go to Scar, obviously a difficult journey there. Then they're at home to Rubin, and then they're away at Tosna. So two newly promoted sides in there. But my other concern is they've had these results against the big sides, but you look at that loss against Angie, and are we perhaps getting a bit carried away? I, I don't think carried away. You know, to see Arsenal up in... Mid table is very good. It's, you know, it's, it's very good for them. I think it must be their highest. You know, if they were to finish in eighth, that'd probably be their highest ever finish in Russian football history. 
Um, Scar away, I'm expecting them to lose. Scar very good at home. Arsenal's away form has been average at best, and obviously it's it's in Cabal, so you can't deny that factor. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Ruben, it's also, you wouldn't put it past them to get six points. Ruben are on very poor form. Tosno have been up and down recently as well. Um, Zabalotny's certainly been lacking recently, so it wouldn't put, put I wouldn't put it past them to pick up another six points before the winter break. Um, you know, and that could even see them move up even higher. So moving towards the end of the season now, David, I'll come to you in a minute, Neil. Where where are you expecting them to finish realistically? Um, looking at the table now, I mean, you've got a couple of teams below them who arguably you expect to be above them, um, Rostov and Rubin and Akmat, namely. Um, but, you know, you'd say they, they've deserved where they've been. You look at those three teams in particular, they've all lost three of their last five games, all three of those teams. Whereas Arsenal, you know, they, they've been on decent run of form. Um, so as it stands, you know, you've got Amkar on the run as well at the moment. They've not lost in five games, who are below them also. And Tosno are doing recent, recently well. Um, it's going to be tricky, you know, we, as we know, the other than outside maybe the top six or seven, the league is very similar and all the teams could be finishing at any of those positions. Um, it, it would be nice to see them finish, you know, roughly where they are now, but I think they could finish anywhere between 8th and 12th. I don't think they're, they're going to drop into the relegation zone. I think they're definitely improving where they were last year. Yeah, Neil, I mean, I'm expecting them to be safe from trouble. Would you go along with David there around about mid-table? Or yeah, I fully agree. To... Um, I agree. Um, I don't think they're going to push up any higher in the table. I think the teams which are above them are just better teams, um, apart from maybe Ural. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, they're, they're not going to drop down too much further either. Uh, they're playing consistently well. It's just um, I don't think they have that... Um, experience of being at the top or necessarily that extra level of quality needed to, to push up higher but definitely definitely can stay around eighth and uh, not not drop down too further um Ahmad, Rubin and Rostov um aren't guaranteed to gain any sort of consistency so um I think they can remain in eighth yeah, and just before we move on to the next topic, I've just noticed actually, just completely off topic, but Siska, I think, are reading the decimal odds right, are about 14 to 1 to win the league. And knowing their sort of spring um, sort of upturn that they usually have, I'm not encouraging gambling or anything, but that's certainly one to keep an eye on. But uh, anyway, David, you nearly, even though I came to Neil, you sort of segmented me into my next bit by talking about Zabalotny. He's in the new uh, Russian national squad, which will uh, play Argentina and Spain. Now we've had a, we've on, on this podcast and generally in Russian football we've really criticised the Russian football union for arranging some really terrible friendlies. I'm looking at the ones against Qatar and Dinamo Moscow. That was an absolute farce. But um, they've got Argentina and Spain coming up. Obviously, we're not really <clears throat> excuse me expecting any huge results there or shocks. But it'll be a really good experience for the Russian national team. And just a quick word on those games in particular, David, and also. Um, couple of controversies around the squad. We've seen Igor Denisov left out again. Uh, Roman Zobnin come up, who's been injured uh, most of the season, but he still managed to get a place in the squad. Also, bits about like Anton Schwerz, who was in sort of Villarreal B a few months ago, obviously doing quite well at Akhmat this season. But I'm wondering if there's a bit of desperation there. So what, just about those two friendlies, and also what sort of surprised you about the squad and what changes would you make? Um. With, well, I'll start with Zabalotny. I don't know if it's... No, with um, Schwetz. I don't think it's necessarily desperation. I mean, you look at how the Russian team has been used this season. Obviously, for the Dinamo Moscow school, uh, game, we saw a very um, adventurous squad using a lot of players from the newly promoted sides like Zabalotny. But I think if your players are playing well, you pick them. It doesn't matter where they've been. I, I think back to Mogilevitz when he had... He joined Ruben on loan, having just been in the Zenit Reserves, played for six months, and got a call-up to the World Cup squad. If you're playing well, that's how it goes. Um, so I think I think he's fully deserving of his call-up, and so is not necessarily Zabalotny. His form has dropped in recent weeks. I'd perhaps looked at his teammate Markov, who's, who's been playing very well recently up front. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily desperation. 
uh, the friendly itself, obviously playing teams of the calibre of Argentina and Spain. You can't knock that. You know, you're expecting two losses, but the experience on alone is great. Um, you know, having these sides in Russia is decent prep for the World Cup. It's good attention for the for the country as a whole, and it's a good experience for the players if they can, you know, if they can score, if they can even pick up a draw or an unlikely win, then then it's great on the whole. And what about the Denisov call-up for you there, Neil? Uh, lots of people saying he should be in the squad and perhaps Zobnin, although Zobnin is a very good player, key factor in Spartak's title win last season, of course, but been injured for a lot of the season. Do you think uh, Cherchesov has made the right decision there? Yeah, um, the Russian national team have really struggled to replace Denisov since he's been out of the national team. Um, there's just a distinct lack of good defensive midfielders. And um, as I know, personally, uh, it's strange because I I haven't actually noticed Denisov that much when uh, when I've been wa- watching Loc- Locomotive. I feel like um, I'm the only one. But um, I mean, it wouldn't have hurt if if he's if he's been playing as good as people seem to think he has um, because uh, there's no real other options. Tarasov isn't isn't good enough. Uh, in my opinion, and um, other than that, you don't have any real good players who can defend. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, it's 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 a difficult situation, but um, I think Chichesov should should be leaving out personal personal feelings at this stage um, with, with, with the problems that Russia have. Because we talk about the personal problems there with. Um... Denisov there, David, and Neil's rightly mentioned them, but I'm looking at something like Kokorin, who was left out of the, the Euro, not the Euro squad, he was left out of um, recent squads after his debacle at the Euros, that was it, and he's got himself back into the frame on decent form, so, I mean, Neil says he hasn't really noticed Denisov, and obviously football's a game of opinions, we're all right to say that, uh, but lots of other people are saying that he should be in, so I'm wondering, why is it one rule for Kokorin and a rule for everybody else? Seems quite yeah. bad in that sense. Yeah, it's a little bit odd. I mean, obviously, Locomotive on the whole have been playing very well, but I think that that leads more to their attacking midfielders rather than Denisov. You know, he's been good, but wouldn't say he's been outstanding. So sorry, sorry, very quickly, David. So you're with Neil on that? Um, well, I think you should definitely ignore the uh, the off the pitch stuff. If someone's playing well, they should get a call up. Um, but whether Denisov naturally merits it, I think probably he. Based on his quality alone, he should be in. Um, but I, I I know that last night he was at fault for both the goals that Lokomotiv conceded in the Europa League. Um, so that's an interesting factor to, to maybe consider. That maybe the, the non-call-up is affecting his game. Um, but even looking then at Schwartz, who's called up in, in probably his replacement, you're looking at people who weren't called up, like Yuri Gazinski, um, who is a centre defence mid, playing playing well for Krasnodar over the last year or so and has had a number of Russian call-ups. So it's surprising not to see him in there perhaps instead of Schwitz. Um, outside of that, you may be looking at Yusupov who was playing very well up until he got injured for the whole season. He won't he went play now, which is a shame. Uh, but he was doing very well at Rostov. And then the normal, the other normal player who would perhaps get a call-up was Magabedos Doyev, who obviously on the whole Ruben playing very poorly and you can understand why and a number of the other Ruben players haven't even been picked for this squad. So, on the whole, I think the Denisov thing, I think he should be there based on quality alone and on relatively decent form, but it's it's clear that Chechsov is still perhaps holding something against him. Um, Neil, what about the Zobnin call-up there? Because of the injury, like I said, not played for a lot of the season. Back in training now with Spartak, of course. To you, well, to me, I'm thinking give somebody else a chance. I mean, Zobnin is a very good player. If he plays well, which he probably will do because he's a decent player, he will get back into the squad eventually. But give somebody else a chance, perhaps, rather than somebody who's not uh, fit. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, sure. But um, I, I, I don't think... I don't, I don't have that much qualms with, with uh, Zobnin being there because uh, if he's still going to be training and, um, you know, um, getting... Uh, I mean, I mean, there's there's places in in that squad which are taken up by players who have not played 
barely any football this season, like Zhirkov, uh, who just defy reason, you know, why, why they're there. There's four right backs. I mean, uh, Zoblin being there isn't really a big problem for me. Um, I mean, sure, he, he should definitely give some other players a chance. Um, in particular, I think there's some uh, strong personal preferences coming in there from uh, from from Chichester for his corps of uh, Gaburov and um, Zhirkov. Um but but with Zobkin, I, I think it's it's fine. I mean, he's a, he's a great player. He's a top player for Russia. And he'll be really important. So just just by being there, um, I, I think he's 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 going to be in a better state when it comes to the actual competition. So I think it's it's um, justified. So just just quickly on the right backs, then Neil, that you mentioned, which of the ones would you have left out in that sense? Um, I. I'm going to have to look it up again, um, but I'll, I'll definitely leave um, Smornikov out uh, because he, he hasn't played um, barely any football. Um, last night against um, Rosenberg, uh, it was you know, painfully clear that he's um, not in form. He, I mean, he doesn't even play for, for Russia. He's um, being... Uh, Fernandez plays uh, or, or Rauch plays. So I, I don't understand why why he's being called up. I mean, like like Zoblin probably just to be there, um, but he he, he definitely uh, could could take a break. Um, the other player, oh, um, it's Ignatiev, yeah. I think you're. Yeah, Ignatiev. Um, either Ignatiev or Rauch. I mean, I don't have the uh, pleasure of watching. Roush that often, but um, Ignatiev, I don't, I don't think he's he's been playing well, but I don't think he's really good enough. And when when Samedov returns to form, I think he's. Uh, I don't think there's any chance of him making it to, to the World Cup, and I think having four right backs is is too much. So I, I would get rid of Smolnikov and Ignatiev and just keep Fernandez and Roush. And would there be any changes you'd make there, David? Not necessarily with right backs, but the squad in general. Um, I'd have perhaps left out Polos. Um, you know, he's he's not getting played very often at Zenit. Um, I mean, then you look at who comes in. Uh, you know, I mentioned Markov. I think he's he's got the ability to then team up with Zablotny, who is his club partner, and give it a go up front. Um, so, so that's one option to use there. Um, obviously the Russian striker striker pool is very very shallow at the moment so that's obviously why Polos is getting in you can't deny that he's got a good pace something that Russia Russia does have a lack of at times uh, just coming back to Zodnin I mean Churchsov mentions in his in his squad announcement um, that he's he's mainly been called up to attend uh, the tactical classes so obviously he's he's called him up just in preparation for or anticipation for Zobnin being in the final World Cup squad. And just to, to have him back in the team and getting familiar with the teammates and, and how Churchill wants to set up uh, in these big games. I, I don't think we'll see him play against either of this, either Spain or Argentina, but it's obviously just to help his development and to help him recover his fitness and to help him get back into the mindset of the national side. Yeah, no, I've just noticed something. I don't know if either of you are looking at the, the picture that the Russian Football Union put out with the squad. I can't. I don't know whether it's just my mind being a bit mad, but the stripes on the shirt, the sort of the arrows, some are pointing to the left and some of the points to the right. I find that very odd. I don't know whether my eyes are playing tricks on me. But anyway, you can go and check that out, listeners, if you want. Um, just very quickly on the Russian national team, we talked about Denisov and the sort of defensive midfield there of Lokomotiv, but we talked about how the, sort of the attacking midfield. And I know it's not his first call-up here, Neil, but Anton Miranchuk is finally getting a bit of the limelight that his brother Alexi had for a long time. Yeah, he's 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 been very very good. Um, I would definitely single him out more than uh, Denisov for um, Lokomotiv this season. I think um, he's he, he understands um, how his brother plays. Uh, so I mean, it's it's an added bonus when the two are on pitch, and they've been a big part in. Um, when Lokomotiv looks looks better, because in past seasons Lokomotiv have been a bit bit dull and a bit um, 
bit direct in attack and um with with Vermeer and Chuck Brothers it's really quite um quite interesting and creative. Um and I think for yeah, definitely for Vermeer and Chuck Brothers are, are a big big thing for Russia now. And we we've seen that in the friendlies. I think they've both scored um in almost all for recent games. Well, either one or the other. So they're definitely a good good attacking force for, for Russia to have, particularly with Jaguars, um injury injury troubles. Um yeah, it's uh, two for a price for one really. It's good. And just before we move on to the final topic, I'm assuming that we all think that they're gonna lose these two friendlies and it's just sort of a, a preparation thing more than anything. Unless somebody's got a surprise to spring. No, I think they'll lose. <laughs> you go with that as well, Neil, I take it. Uh, I'm slightly biased when it comes to Russia playing, but um, I think they could maybe get a draw somewhere, but no, I think they'll probably lose. I thought thought you were about to turn into Andrew Flint there with a wave of optimism, and then you brought it back down in proper Russian football style, so I like that. But uh, final topic, just a very quick one, which is sort of for for everybody really, is uh, the new football manager is out, and uh, David, this is... One of the main reasons I really wanted to get you on the podcast, to be honest, because I know you sort of play with the database quite a lot in Football Manager, especially with the uh, the Russian perspective, if you like. So what on the... Have you, uh, you've got the new game, you told me. Yes. Yes. So what sort of stood out to you on this? Yeah, so I had a little play around with it early in the week. Um, I took charge of CSK Moscow. Um, just, to, just to have a look at Russia in general, I always do that to see see what's wrong with the database and or what I think is right with the database. I think it's definitely improved a lot this year uh, in terms of how the Russian League is represented. Um, there are definitely a few changes that need to be made. Um, you see players like... You're looking at the players who have had very good seasons this year. So your Zavalotnys, your Anton Moranchuk's, your Chernovs. Uh, see, these three guys have had a couple of... have had very good starts to the season. I've had Russian national team call-ups. Uh, Magomed Mitrushev as well from Rakhmat. Uh, these guys all seem to be very underrepresented in the game at this point. Um, you know, it's it's hard on to say, obviously, because they've only, you know, they weren't that great last season. Now they've improved a lot this year. So it's it's fair enough that they, they are underrepresented. But it's definitely something that I'll uh, look to change. I mean, every year or the last couple of years, I think we've put out an update on the website for everyone to download. Um, so when we do that again this year, there'll be some of the changes definitely, definitely to be made. So do you have any idea where those that sort of I don't want to sort of put any time pressure on you, David, but is there any <laughs> idea of when that's coming, just for the listeners? Well, the game's only in beta mode at the moment, uh, so the editing, the editor software isn't actually out yet. Uh, so once I get it, which hopefully it shouldn't take me too long, I'll ballpark it and say mid to early December, but we'll never know. Uh, hope maybe sooner. Okay, so for all you football fa- manager <laughs> fanatics, that's coming. And just, uh, I don't want to ignore you, Neil, and listen, I'm going to make this point to you as well, David. In terms of football manager, from a Russian perspective now, looking at this season, for anybody listening, you know you always have that thing where it's like, oh, I don't know who to be. From Russia, who would you suggest being? Who's an interesting, I hate the word project when we turn to football, but you, do you know what I mean? What sort of an interesting save to do here in Russia? Well, obviously, the game in real life is different, but um, I don't know. I mean, I always just go Senate, so I would say... Well, I, I don't know how good um, Krasnodar's youth is, is um, represented on the game, but maybe that, that could be an interesting one um, in terms of replacing replacing the squad eventually with uh, great youth players like... Um, like Ignatiev, who's come through in real life, um, potentially back, that could be an interesting one. I don't suppose you've got any news on the Krasadar youth setup on Football Manager, do you, David? I know that's a bit of a niche. Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's it's really well represented. Um, they've got they've got very good facilities in the game, and certainly Ignatiev um, looks to have very high potential. Uh, definitely, I'd say from what I've seen, um, the best sort of young Russian player on the game in terms of where he could get to. Uh, so, yeah, I think they, they're definitely well represented. It would be a nice it would be a nice challenge, definitely, using their youth academy. Um, I think, obviously, Zenit is the main one you would look at for 
you know, the casual player because they've got a ready-made squad. Yeah, the one with money. Zenit I always like to do is win the Champions League. That's that's generally my target on that one. I've done, I've done it before a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, with the squad they've got, it's, um, it's more attractive save this year. You know, you've got players who people know. Um, so that would be an interesting one. But I think, you know, looking at a team like Arsenal Tula perhaps or or, uh, or Krasnar or even Suska, you know, Suska have got very low funds. They're, they're using a lot of their youth at the moment. So that's going to be, That'd be a build from the ground sort of sort of challenge and Arsenal Zula, you've got a decent squad but not much depth and you know, you've got Salah Stadium. So there's there's a few nice challenges. For me, I, I look at every team and I can find positives that I really want to see. Uh, but that's just because I'm I'm the kind of guy who gets up at eight AM to watch Scar versus Arsenal. <laughs> you, to be fair, on Twitter you said you weren't gonna do that. Have you changed your mind in the last hour or so? Is is this sort of invigorated you completely here? <laughs> My, my body clock will almost certainly wake me up for that game. So I'll be watching it almost certainly. You've got a Russian football alarm in your head. The, the ones yes. I go to for, uh, I look at someone like Scar because it's a bit of fun, see if you can get a Far East team, see how far you can get them. The other one I go for, a bit of a sort of a longer term one, somebody like, I know I always bang on about them, but Dinamo St. Petersburg in the FNAL. See if you can get promoted, then break the St. Petersburg monopoly that Zenit have. See if you can get them as the top St. Petersburg team. I appreciate it would take a long time, but that might be a fun challenge. But anyway, that sort of brings that topic to a close and therefore the whole podcast to a close. So um, anyway, just to sort of say thank you to my two guests. That's uh, Neil Salata. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on with all your wonderful insight. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. No problem. And David, once again, thank you. And uh, we, of course, look forward to the uh, Football Manager database coming out soon. No problem. And um, just before we go, actually, just a quick word on our social media and everything. So we're at Russ Football News on Twitter, Russian Football News Facebook page. I am, of course, going to mention the Predictions League. Andrew's not here to give us an update, but you can go on the uh, the Facebook page and you can see all the previews and everything that Andrew sets out wonderfully. There's uh, Russian Football News on YouTube as well. Uh, Russian Football News for contact here for the uh, Russian listeners uh, at Russ Football News on Instagram. And uh, just just for the three of us, our personal Twitter handles, mine is Thomas underscore Giles underscore UK. Um, Neil, your personal Twitter handle? Um, mine is at ZenRussFan. Okay, perfect. And uh, David, your one? Uh, mine is RFN underscore David. Okay, perfect. So, uh, again, thank you to my two guests. Wonderful as always. We'll have to definitely get you both back sometimes because I, I get bored with Toka and Andrew. I'm only joking. But, um, of course, do subscribe to this podcast on the uh, the World Football Index that we're now based on. So, And, of course, do check out the website, RussianFootballNews.com. We've got content going up on there. A lot of the time, I've read some lovely pieces on there recently, uh, particularly about Soviet football. I've enjoyed a couple of those recently. So go and check them out, and uh, we will see you on the next podcast.